What is up, y'all? Welcome to the 5Q5K. I'm your host, Josh Williams. The goal of this podcast is to create a safe and welcoming environment for you to learn and begin to embrace what I've come to know as an actively improving lifestyle. We hope you're able to get out there and get active while you join in on our conversation. That being said, let's get to it. All right, what is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the 5Q5K. I'm sitting down with a good friend, Ashton Reed. How are you doing, Ashton? Doing well, Josh. How are you? Doing good. Can't complain. Thanks for thanks for taking the time to be on the pod. Yeah, of course. I thought I was going to be the first lady on the pod, but then I saw that my girl Talia was on it. So honored uh, to be the second girl on the pod. Love it. I love it. <laughs> well, um, started off, just kind of tell us about your, um, your background in athletics, kind of how you decided where you were going and how that journey's been. Yeah, totally. So I um, grew up in a really active family. I'm the oldest of four. My parents are both like high school athletes. And so we just loved to play growing up. Many nights in the driveway playing pickup basketball and going to lots of games and um, hanging out. And so um, I played all the sports growing up. I was that kid that, you know, did swim team and played soccer and did all the things. But my favorite was basketball. I played basketball in high school, um, year round played AAU ball, which was hysterical and fun, but that's kind of like where my love for exercise started. Um, and my high school team was like, my coach was really tough. And so a lot of, yeah, just like my discipline in terms of exercise, um, came from what I learned from her and just like loved the team aspect of that too, in terms of just getting to like, lean on to other people to meet a certain goal. Um, and so, yeah, played sports through high school, loved that. Um, obviously was not good enough to be a collegiate athlete, which is totally fine. Hey, that's, um, that's most of us. I know, there. right? We're, <laughs> I just, I like to call myself a weekend warrior. Went to college and um, went to Baylor. And sick and bears. Sick and bears always. And <laughs> honestly didn't exercise much. I was pretty burnt out from playing basketball year round, having two a days, like, being forced to be in the weight room at 8 a.m. on a Saturday, I was just over it. And so um, I didn't really do much for exercise my first three years of college. I was loved intramurals, did all the intramurals, um, but that was pretty much it. I would go compete, be sore for a week and get back to my life. Um, y'all, y'all took a couple intramural titles. We did. Day, right? Okay. We took the basketball one my sophomore year. It was really, really fun. Um, took a softball <laughs> one my senior year just really hysterical but I just loved I just loved to play I loved also just um yeah just getting to be with girls who like enjoy doing that activity with them was a blast um raise the raise both the banners there you go got to (laughs) got to got to so yeah that's a little bit of just like kind of how I got into athletics um cool yeah so kind of pivot that like I mean, you're obviously very active, a lot of different sports. How did you, how did the distance running bug bite you? Like, how'd you decide, ah, you know what? I'm taking my talents to running. You know, it's, Josh, it's really funny because if you had told high school me, who was probably the fittest of her life then, that I would have gotten in distance running, I would have laughed in your face. I thought cross country (laughs) athletes were insane. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of, they kind of are a little (laughs) bit, right? I'm kind of built more like a strength athlete, like powerlifting, power sports. Um, I did have a stint in track um, in middle school, but I ran hurdles. (laughs) It's like that was it. Just my one event. 
Um, and so when I ended up moving to Dallas after graduating from Baylor and I went to physical therapy school at UT Southwestern here in Dallas. Nice. And when I started, it was in the middle of the COVID pandemic. And so uh, I was living in a two bedroom apartment with one of my really good girlfriends and I was studying eight, nine hours a day, sitting in my room doing Zoom school. And yes, I was <laughs> so lonely and so bored. And I couldn't go out and really do much in Dallas. I lived in this big city and didn't have access to it. And so I, you know, my roommate was a big runner. And so I, she had kind of told me, hey, try out this trail, try out these things. And so first I went on walks and I was like, well, what if I maybe tried to get into running? Okay. Um, and so started with like, probably until then I had not run over three miles. Um, and so I kind of, you know, would run kind of on my lunch break in the middle of my classes. Uh, like I would go run about 20 or 30 minutes, come home, shower, like eat my lunch, get into my next lecture. But as I was in physical therapy school, I was learning about just like the science of the body and how you can train it okay. to become more efficient, to adapt to certain things. And so I was interested in that, learning about that along with, well, what if I make my own body like an experiment in that way uh. and kind of see like... I'm not very cardiovascularly strong in terms of endurance, but what if I like slowly build in these concepts that I'm learning in school? Um, and so kind of started to watch my, maybe not as much physically, but to feel the difference of, okay, when I'm consistent with this thing, it's fun. And yeah. like, I, you know, it's also like a huge stress reliever. It was a very stressful time in my life. And so kind of started running more. And then my, one of my best friends, Meredith, she had run a few half marathons. I had asked her the Dallas or the Arboretum half marathon in 2021 was on my 24th birthday. Ah, okay. And so kind of that summer, I was like, would you be willing to train for this race with me? Um, and she said, yeah. And so I used some of the concepts I learned in school to make a training schedule for her the nice. both of us. And we did that, which was a blast, um, which was really fun to get to do that with her. I actually got COVID the week before the race and oh still was, goodness. and still was able to do it, which was wild. Um, Cardiovascular system <laughs> flexing out here. I right mean, <laughs> I thank you, Lord. I was still able to do it. I would have been fine if I didn't get to, but it was really special to share that with Meredith and my dad who has run multiple math half marathons as well, came up for the race. And so for oh, him cool. to like watch that was really sweet, along with some of my other family and friends. That's awesome. From there, I um, decided to, I enjoyed it so much that I decided to run the Cowtown that next year. Um, and then my brother, who's a few years younger than me, who um, lived in Austin at the time, was doing his fifth year was like, I want to be in one and done and run a half marathon. Will you do it with me? And I was like, sure. So we did the Austin this oh, nice. year, which was fun. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, yeah. But that's kind of been my journey so far in terms of long distance running. And then Meredith, my friend I spoke about, we are training for the Dallas marathon right now. There we it's go. been a little brutal. I never thought I would say that. I am, was so content to finish at 13.1, um, but we both are turning 26 this year. And so we thought it'd be a fun way to kind of celebrate that on top of she's probably going to move out of Dallas um, for okay. her residency. And so excited to share that with her. It's been fun to train. We've kind of had the mindset of we're going to train for it. If we don't make it to the end and we don't want to do it, we won't, but we'll still have had fun just in the season of training. So well, I think if you're training for it, like I, I think the big part of like making that jump, like either j the jump to the half or like, even if you're making the jump to a 5k or jump to a 10k, mm -hmm. I think like if you've, put forth that consistency and put forth that the interest in like, I guess getting in the lab, kind of mm -hmm. like you mentioned, like, mm -hmm. like, like what you knew from 
getting ready for AAU basketball or anything like that, like that mindset of it's 8 a.m. We're getting going. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think if you've got that, you don't have anything to worry about. You're going to you're going to get to 26. points. I've heard it's very mental. It. I just tried to zone out, you know, yeah. Hey, just enjoy the ride. Is that yeah. Kind of- yeah. I'm just, all my friends, in, you know, including you who have run marathons before have said, it's not going to be comfortable, yeah. um, <laughs> but it is going to be, I, I hear training's usually worse. So I'm kind of leaning into that. I'm in a, I'm in like halfway through my training. So I'm just building, building, building okay. right now. And so it's a little overwhelming, but I'm just remembering that, like, I'm just going to follow the schedule. I can stay disciplined um, and just hopefully get to finish. That's the goal. No time goal, just to finish. So. I, I think you'll be good. Like, It'll be I, good. I know. I know. I think that's a good mindset to have for the first one. That was kind of mine too. I was like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to put any like undue stress. Cause I think when you go out there and a lot of people are like, Oh, I got to hit this time or yeah. bust or anything like that. It's tougher to do that because then it's almost like it takes the fun aspect out. Like you mm-hmm. mentioned, like, Hey, I want to maintain the fun. And for me, I'm like, the way that I'm going to maintain fun is just going to have fun. So I wanted to kind of, I wanted to ask you some, a couple questions from your physical therapy background and kind of hear like, here, here's someone who has a, a definitely more, more seasoned and more expert opinion than anything that I'm going to provide out here. So kind of give the people a little take on, on cross training. Like is, do you think cross training is something that, I've heard, I've heard from people it's, you're going to need it to stay injury free and you're going to need it to like manage the, the heavy weeks of running. Is Mm -hmm. that, do you agree with that? Do you think it cross training equals success or Mm. not necessarily? It's a good question. Let's just say though, you have a lot of experience and I feel like with the running experience is so valuable on top of just like people who have studied and have a degree. Um, That's something that I tell a lot of my patients is like a lot of exercise is trial and error. Like we can use the science, we can use the rules, but sometimes our bodies respond differently to things. So like you've probably learned so much by just being your own patient in that way and just being attentive to kind of how your body, you know, responds and adjusts to training. Um, now I will be honest with the pod. My, so my expertise is more in the realm of neurophysical therapy. So I treat, my main population is stroke, traumatic brain injury, and um, spinal cord injury on top of a few other medically complex. So I am not like an orthopedic physical therapist. So if you have further questions, you should see a really great trained orthopedic PT for these things. But obviously, or those the bread and butter of our profession. So I do know a good little bit. And just because running is interesting to me, I keep up with the research. Um, For sure. And so there was one study that I read a few years ago. I think it came out in 2021 where they did, they did uh, like a cross reference of, uh, they did a group of runners and I think they were running like around 40 to 50 miles a week, both groups of runners. And it was over a long time. And they, they kind of saw, um, with one group, they did no cross training. So they did their training schedule, no cross training whatsoever, did their race. And then they kind of studied, um, physical injuries, like how they fell in certain aspects after the training block, after the race. And then with the other group, they did like a very specific cross training. I can't remember off the top of my head, what the exercises were specifically. Um, and they didn't see like a statistical difference between, 
either groups, which is honestly shocking to me because yeah. for my personal running journey, I found cross training to be very helpful. Um, specifically with my hips and feet, I've had some like lateral hip pain with running and like a little plantar fasciitis slash like foot pain in and out of the past few years. You've been there, so you yeah, know. Not fun. Not fun. <laughs> um. So I guess the answer is I'm not sure. Just okay. in terms of it's the what people say is kind of mixed. What I've found personally, and this is not medical advice, this has just been helpful to me, is that running is a single leg sport if you think about it. Mm -hmm. So if you're training bilaterally, which means both feet, then you're probably not getting the actual loading that your body needs to to sustain that high velocity movement. So like lunges, um, you know, single leg heel raises, so important for training. Um, Just in terms of you're getting your body ready for it's a single leg sport, you know, in and and of itself. And then for me as well, there's a muscle in your glutes. It's the one on the side called your gluteus medius. Um, They're very tiny muscles on the side. So running is what we call fancy word, like a sagittal plane sport. So you're moving in one plane the entire time. And so you're not really strengthening any of the, what we would call the lateral musculature on your body on the sides. Uh, So is that why I'm so bad at pickleball? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that might be a coordination issue. You know, a lot of runners are what we call motor morons because they're good at doing one motion and not a lot. Um, (laughs) I haven't heard that one before, but I I probably probably am to be honest. Yeah. But your glute med, which you do not hit running, stabilizes your pelvis. So if it's weak, you get what's called hip drop. So your hips will go like this and it can cause a, a lot of pain in your hips and so i try to work a lot of single leg calf and glute med um so you can like google glute glute med exercises but those are like my little secrets um like a split squat would that be one where you like do like the one so like a a curtsy squat would hit the glute med and then just like what we would call side lying hip abduction so laying on your side having your hip back and then lifting it up towards the ceiling that oh, hits okay. your glute meat as well on top of like clamshells is another way to do it. An okay. easier version of that or mermaids is another one. You can Google it. <laughs> that's a good one too. Get your core too. Okay. Um, but that's what I found to be helpful for me in terms of cross training. Yeah. So that, that's been for me, like I, I guess what I've heard and I've, I've, we were, we were talking earlier, like I'll hear one thing as fact and be like, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. <laughs> it makes sense. So like I heard, I don't even know who I heard this from, but I heard it at one point that it was like, Hey, if you're, I think, I think I heard it from when I went to my chiropractor, like a year or two ago, it was, yeah. I was trying to start adding in a lot of bike mileage and I started having really bad Achilles pain. Mm. And it was because my seat was too low and oh. I was like pulling on my Achilles too much. And she basically told me like, Hey, like if you're adding something new, don't add something new halfway through a marathon block, like have something that you're already doing Mm -hmm. and then continue doing it. But don't be like, like if you're listening to this and you're halfway through a marathon block and you're hearing this, like, I'm not doing any of this. I'm going to start doing all those stretches. (laughs) You said, I'm going to start doing all those exercises. Mm -hmm. It's like maybe adding in a little bit at a time. Cause for me, when I've tried to just like, I'll be halfway through a block and I'm like, you know what? It's time to hit the weight room. (laughs) I know myself better than that. I'm not going to like, no, but we've all done it. We have all yeah. done it. You're not alone in that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, don't try to reinvent the wheel, especially when you have a goal and you're like halfway through training. That's just smart in general. Just don't don't add too much or subtract anything. Well, I guess subtract, it wouldn't really be the same thing. But yeah, that yeah. adding thing, you don't want to be like in a bad way because of what you did. Like, like I'll have friends that'll say, oh man, I added in cycling, I added in weightlifting, I added in this, and then 
I got this injury. It's like, well, it might've been, you increased the load that much that then it just. And I get it. Sometimes running, especially if you're doing it by yourself can be boring. So working in like a little bit of swimming one day a week or biking one day a week is fine, but don't like think you're going to gain all of your cardiovascular endurance with that one day of cross training. Use it as like a therapeutic break for yourself. Um, Maybe a little reframe. And some of those will kind of work like you, like you were saying, it'll work like different muscles too. So that would be, it might, your muscles that you're working through that other cross training mm-hmm. won't be as like, like as carryover. strong as, as the, oh, they might be the, sore. Like in yeah, the sagittal yeah. plane is what you're saying. Yeah. Like they, you might be a little more sore from that cross training. Cause it's not like the same motion essentially. It's um, like, I got good at that one repetitive motion, but those other ones I'm like, I don't exactly. Know about and there actually is like science minds called the said principle where essentially like if you are a runner, and you are training running, you're only getting good at running. Is it yeah. going to make other cardiovascular activities easier, like long distance biking? Yes. Yeah. You're not getting better at it though. Yeah. You're not, you have to train <laughs> specifically for what you're wanting to do. So the best way to become a good runner is to run. Yeah. That, and that that's, it, it sounds simple, but like it's, it's been proven over and over. It's just run and run more. Like, I mean, that's it, when I think about like, I'll, I'll go for one bike ride. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I, I hate biking, to be honest. I, I'm being real on the pod. I do not. I do not like to bike. It hurts. It hurts my my bottom. I don't know. Yeah. It well, hurts. I mean, that's me with swimming. Like I'm like in my head. I'm like, oh, I know cardiovascularly, mm-hmm. I'm pretty strong from my running. But then I'll go to swim, and I'm like, you feel like you're drowning. No, nah, I suck at this. Yeah, like I'm not. I'm not good at this one. So yeah, there's no like there's not the carryover, but it could help. Yeah, kind of. That's yeah. a good. I think that's a you worded it really a good well. Way to tie up, uh, tie up uh, with a nice bow cross training. Well, I want to ask another thing. Kind of tell me about like the way that like from your experience as a PT, and I know I know it might not be the exact practice you're in, but you you, you care about this, so you know about this. Kind of kind of tell the way that you would create like what you would think of as a well rounded like kind of health and wellness, like exercise routine, just kind of like, how, how do you build that routine? Cause I know there's some people out there that it's so daunting. They hear like, okay, like I need to run, I need to lift weights too. I need to do all this. And then a lot of people will just kind of fold and say, I don't know how to do that. Mm. And I don't know, like, I don't want to pay somebody to tell me how to do that. So right. what would be like your advice to somebody that's like, this is where a good starting point would be. Yeah. That's such a good question. Honestly, what I tell my people all the time is If you find something that you love and it's exercise, do it. So like if you are overwhelmed with the amount of content, like there's a lot of exercise influencers these days, which I like am a little wary of just because I'm like in the health profession and I see some things that are really great and some things that I'm like, that is interesting. Um, But like if you have something you love, if it's like going to the YMCA and doing like the dance class and you get your heart rate up. Zumba. Zumba. Zumba is hard. Do it. (laughs) Do it, do it, do it. If you are focused on more like, I guess, something that I love to tell my patients, though, is I I like to educate them on different types of exercise and the different benefits for their body if they're concerned about different things. So like the two main categories that I think of are cardio and strength. So like, so what we would call like aerobic conditioning, cardiovascular endurance, your heart rate is up, it's pounding, you're sweating, you're burning a lot of calories, um, which again, you can do that in strength training as well. Um, but for cardio, what we see in like the research is that your risk for depression decreased. So like if you struggle with mental health, getting that cardiovascular exercise into your routine, walking, running, swimming, 
biking, all great. Pickleball, all great. <laughs> if you're going hard, like decrease body fat, decrease risk of like diabetes because your glycemic index goes down because you're like kicking on some of those other systems. Um, I have a family member who has Alzheimer's disease. They've shown significant decreases in like risk for Alzheimer's and memory loss on top of there's this concept called um, neuroplasticity, which essentially uh, means that you're like your brain re- relearns. Re- things, you're rewiring right? neurons in your brain. There so you literally, if you do cardio, you're you're you have the ability to like be smarter and be more efficient mentally. So like so exercise is medicine for your body. That's why I'm so passionate about our field and like what I get to educate and do. And then specifically for all my ladies listening, um, although men can have this too, for strength training, what we see is um, strength training is necessary for bone mineral density. So like decreasing risk for osteoporosis, which again, we're in our 20s. So we don't think about this a lot, but I see a lot of patients who are in so much pain with just walking because they did not have good strength training or like... So not only like lifting weights, but any type of what we would say closed kinetic chain activity. So where your feet hit the floor, any type of weight bearing okay. helps increase your bone mineral density. So like get your vitamin D checked, even if you're young. So like I'm young, but I have decreased vitamin D. So I take a pill every day um, for that. And then like doing some type of weight bearing or strength training, a mix of both in something that you love is a great way to like have a routine that will just set you up for success long-term, right? We're both training for something right now. So we're very focused on one thing, but we're not always probably going to be training for something. And so I think it's good to know how you can like set up those disciplines. So it becomes a habit in your life and like impacts you down the road. For sure. For sure. And that's for me, like weight, weight training's always been my, like, it's, <laughs> it's your crutch. Yeah. It, it, it don't work too well for me. It just <laughs> don't work, but I know that's something I, I tried to add in this summer and I did for a while. And then I just kind of, once I ramped up the mileage, I was like, I'll see you again in October. Yeah. We'll be back. But, but I'm like, I'm liking what I hear that by running, I could potentially be getting smarter. I'm like, man, that's, that's great news. That is, that is wonderful. Big miles, big brain. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm taking that. I'm, I'm gonna, when, when people tell me like, man, that, that's dumb that you're going that long. I'm like, actually, I'm, I'm farming brain cells, mind you. <laughs> So that's, that's good to hear. I like that. That was my motivation in school. I was like, I don't want to take the study break, but I want to do all my tests. So I'm going to like prioritize getting some exercise. So, Hey, I I had professors in grad school that like they, two of them were long distance runners. And then some of them would like, they'd be asking me, Oh, like, why didn't you get this paper done? I'm like, man, I went for like a 15 mile long run. And now I can go back and tell them, Hey, there was, there was thought (laughs) and I was actually helping myself by doing that. There you go. There you go. Well, um, I wanted to ask you one more, one more kind of question I get, get frequently from some folks. I've had a bunch of people ask me this week, actually. Um, do you think insoles, like let's, let's just go on the topic of insoles, like additional and like, you obviously have the insole that comes in your shoe. Sure. Is that fine to just keep wearing those? Or do you think you would need to get something additional? And I can, I can share my thought from, I, I sold shoes, but you can give your thought from what you actually yeah i want to hear your thought for sure um so again not an expert in the ortho world or like shoes for that matter although i did like get content on that in my schooling um so the purpose of insoles are just to provide more support for your foot if you feel like 
this is this is my opinion. This is not like a medical. This is just my opinion. If your shoes are are like if you don't feel like you need any extra support, then I would not feel the need to spend extra money. Yeah. To do that. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you are having like foot pain, there are specific diagnoses where there is evidence to say that specific type of insoles um, are helpful in terms of managing the pain of those things or being able to continue activity. You know, a lot of us are active and so we want to continue to do the things that we like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing is if you and typically a lot of those things are for people who have arched feet versus flat feet. Um, And again, typically, and then everybody's different. So you might be someone who doesn't fit this mold. If you have a flatter foot, like I do a rigid, more rigid base shoe helps with propulsion in terms of walking and running. And so that's typically what's recommended. I do think, and it sounds like you've worked at some type of like, I won't say the name of the places, yeah, but one yeah. of these shoe places that we all know. No free ads. I'm not getting paid nothing for this. Um, <laughs> yeah, they tr- probably do try to sell you certain things um, that you might not need. And so just like be educated on that. You know, you could go see an orthopedic PT. You could like ask um, like an orthopedic physician or like a really good chiropractor who knows their stuff type thing. Um, the one thing that I am very passionate about because of the field I work in is especially for the older, older population. Some people will say, okay, well, if you're only having heel pain, get a wedged insole. So that's one that doesn't go the full length of your foot. Never, ever, 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 ever get a wedged insole ever. Don't mess with Don't it. Mess Don't mess with do it. it. Don't because <laughs> what can happen is it, it changes your foot position to shorten the length of the tissue specifically in your calf. And that can cause a multitude of issues. And so if you're going to get an insole, make sure it like it can be different widths throughout the whole foot, but make sure that it goes, has some sort of thickness from your toe to your heel. Okay. That would be my one thought on that. It's not just one chunk that looks like a piece of cheese in your heel. And there are reasons why like an orthotist would give you that for specific medical diagnoses. But if someone in the medical field is not giving you that, don't take it. Okay. Don't take it. (laughs) There you go. You're going to end up causing yourself more issues down the line. See, see from my, so I worked at a couple shoe stores and have you ever seen that meme that it's like, it's the wolf that has like a sheep mask and he like takes off the sheep mask and it's <laughs> yes. actually a wolf. Yes. That'd be some of those dudes that are selling you the dudes and dudettes. You heard it heard you. here first from the Ming King right here. Josh wins everyone. <laughs> yeah. So if, 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 if you are being told that you need insoles when you go into one of those stores and they put you on the little thing where they like look at your feet and they have some little like graphic that like looks super official that says, oh, you actually do need to spend $70 on these. Those dudes are sheephead wolfing you. Like they're, they are going to be and making- And that's biblical guys. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and th- those are the guys that they're going to be making commission off just the insoles. So like the stores mm-hmm. I worked at at least. So- And like, yeah. I'm a big proponent with all the type of equipment that I recommend my patients. If you can get an off brand, that's the same thing. If they're like, okay, you need insole like this. Great. Take a picture of it. Go find one off- another place online or at Walmart or something that's $6. Do not spend unnecessary money on something that's going to provide you the same support. That's just silly. Well, see, that's the thing that like I, for, for me, like I fell, I fell for the wolf in sheep's clothing at one point and I got some insoles and then I ended up like 
they overcorrected mm. what they what I thought I needed them for, and I got what's the is it perineal tendonitis on the mm-hmm. outside of your foot? Mm-hmm. Hey, see, I, yeah, the everters, come the, on, the brain cells are they're growing, they're right. growing, they're growing <laughs> big, big brain, big um, miles, guys. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I got like perineal tendonitis from the insoles, and I like went in, I went and finally saw a podiatrist, and he was mm-hmm. just like, dude, like don't mess with these things. He's like, your feet are normal. Just don't wear the insoles. Yeah. If you don't have pain, there's really no reason you need to be getting one. If you do have pain, then that could be a solution for you, but it could also be a multitude of other things. Yeah. Depending on what it is. When I fell for these, I wasn't running the big miles. Um, Now that I'm running the big miles, I I know not to fall for it. um, I, I think my advice mainly for someone, if like they really think insoles are necessary, go try to find a podiatrist because if you go like, and buy whatever insole you think you might need, you might end up getting tendonitis or getting a stress fracture or something. And then you got to pay for the x-ray. Then you got to pay for it's all crazy. that. Or another plug, a really good ortho PT who's hooked up with the, like has connections with an orthotist who's okay. really good because a lot of like a Who's lot of orthotist? Example, an orthotist is someone who makes orthotics or prosthetics. Ah. That's like, they go to a two or three year grad program. I, I, saw one of my referral people today that helped make a brace for one of my patients who had a stroke. Um, but they specialize in making custom bracing for people. Again, there are going to be some scenarios where you're not going to need a custom orthotic, but there might be a scenario where you do. And they, hopefully they have the ethics to not lead you astray and make you spend unnecessary money because that's silly. Yeah. They're making enough money. They don't, they don't need commission off the, they don't need, well, (laughs) you would think, right? Yeah. 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 That's my podiatrist now. He's been telling me like, I'll kind of have little ticky tack injuries with my feet every once mm-hmm. in a while. And he was like, man, he's like, if you, if these keep cropping up, maybe we go down the route of getting you custom orthotics and they probably, you probably wouldn't have those little ticky tack injuries, mm-hmm. but I've been lucky to not have anything like super debilitating where I need, I need insoles, but he's like, he's also very honest. So shout out, shout out to him, Clifford, the podiatrist. <laughs> he's not big or red, but he is honest. He's a I good love guy. it. He's a good guy. Yeah. yeah. I would say over the counter, it doesn't work for 99% of your needs, um, Fair. but that's always an option. Now, you know, it's out there. Now you're educated. So and don't get the wedge. Don't get a wedge. Don't get a wedge in soul. It's a trap. One thing. It, it's a big trap. <laughs> well, um, well, Ashton, I wanted to ask one more thing, just kind of, I ask everybody this, but if you, if you had to give yourself like beginner runner Ashton, or you had to give another friend or a patient or anybody that is a beginner runner, one word of advice, what would that word of advice be and why? Um, I would say that I guess, I guess from my own experience and from what I have like come to learn through like reading up on different types of research and like working in this field is start slow. And we hear it all the time. And I think for people, I'm like a go-getter, very energetic. It's really hard for me to not like it's zero to a hundred for me. Typically it's easier said than done, easier said than done. But like what I have seen around is that you should not increase your mileage more than 10% per week. So if you ran 10 miles this week, you shouldn't run more than 11 the next week, which feels like not, (laughs) that much of an increase, but your body, you know, keeps track of that. And so I, and whether that's, so whether that's pacing or mileage, I found, you know, going slow and staying consistent for me was helpful because if I go run once a week and then I think that it's going to be comfortable in four or five weeks, like that's just silly for me to think that I could build that cardiovascular endurance and strengthen my legs and hips to be able to carry myself and enjoy and build even, 
um, that and lateral training. So like the glute med is I, in my first half, I had a lot of hip pain and my second one, I trained specifically that and my calves and it was so much better. I did not have as much pain. So that would be my advice to begin a runner. And just also lastly, wow, I'm giving a lot of advice. Lastly, hey, three for the price of one, three for the price of one it, guys. It's, it. it's free. <laughs> if a, and I know this is a running podcast, but if you do not enjoy running, don't feel like that you have to run to get a good workout. Just get out there and do something. A power walk can provide just as much like therapeutic benefit to somebody as running. I don't personally enjoy power walking as much as I enjoy running, but I think a lot of my friends are like, oh, well, running so intimidating and so daunting. And so I'm not going to get into it because it's too hard. Okay, well, go do that Zumba class at the Y. Go do Pilates. Go do just do something and like your body will thank you. Do something like, like you're saying, like do something cardiovascular yeah. because all those, all those big benefits you told about, mm-hmm. you're going to get those, whether it's running, whether it's the Zumba class, whether it's walking the dog around mm-hmm. the block, whether, whether it's just getting out and taking a walk, right? Exactly. You're going to get those benefits. Just do something. There you go. Hey, that's be a little more than you were yesterday and just keep building that, right? Exactly. There you go. Well, um, hope y'all were able to get active while y'all were listening to this, whether it be I guess if you're doing that Zumba class at the Y, you're listening to their music, but maybe you listen to this afterwards. But um, yeah, we hope we hope y'all were able to get active in some way while y'all were listening to this today. Um, we're about to go run our 5K today. So Ashton, tell them where we're going to hit to run. We are taking the classic trail from my little duplex uh, through Highland Park, and then we'll hit the Katy Trail for about, you know, a half mile or mile or two. So there you go. Hit a little, a little, uh, what I call a sneaky hill on Armstrong. Okay. If you want to hit a little sneaky hill, we're going to hit it today. Yeah, hey, so. I'm ready for the sneaky Check hill. it out on Strava. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll have the route on Strava and Matt My Run. So if y'all want to run this segment and check out the sneaky hill, <laughs> as it has been called, y- y'all can hit it today. So, well, I wanted to thank you, Ash, and thanks for sitting down and thanks for giving some good advice to the people. And I think people are going to, they're going to be doing the glute meat stretches and they're going to be starting <laughs> They're going to be getting strong. You're going to be doing good. Yeah, yeah. So. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Josh. So fun. Of course. Well, um, hope y'all had a good one and we will see y'all next time. Have a good one, guys. Peace. Woohoo!